This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. In the 1970s and 80s, a monster hunted the Connecticut River Valley. Seven bodies found, one survivor, and no suspects. I'm Jane Borowski, host of Invisible Tears. I was seven months pregnant and stabbed 27 times, and I survived. My story didn't end that frightful night. This attack on me physically and mentally lingered for years. I'm Amanda Bedard, and I'm Jane's life coach and co-host of Invisible Tears. Jane is ready to share her story, and not just about her attack, but her healing process afterwards. As a platform for truth and healing, we are on a mission to help others that suffer from PTSD and help bring awareness to mental health issues. To hear my story and others, you can find Invisible Tears wherever you listen to your favorite podcast. Hi, all. Thank you for listening to Human Monsters. I also want to thank those of you who donate to the Patreon account. There will be more rewards coming down the pipe, such as giveaways. From now on, every week, a winner will be drawn from the Patreon pool and will receive a psychic reading from me online. I am a card reader and astrologer, and I will do a reading for you online, should your name be chosen. Once again, the Patreon link is www.patreon.com slash leader1 www.patreon.com slash l-e-a-d-e-r-o-n-e Thank you and enjoy the show. Welcome to this week's edition of the True Crime News, and I'm Morgan Rector. And I am Rachel Telfor. All right. So to start off, uh, you know, Florida is just the state that keeps keeps on giving, the gift that keeps on giving when it comes to amusing true crime stories. Uh, I'm wondering, you know, the one time I visited, I remember almost everybody I saw, like in terms of locals, they all seem miserable. Like it's it's almost ironic that Disney World, this land of happiness and perpetual hope, was situated there because it seemed like all the locals are just really set, well, not just sad, but it seemed to be mixed with like bitterness too. Okay, Disney World, in my opinion, is not the happiest place on world on on the earth. I 
assure you, I used to be a season pass holder. I think I've mentioned it previously. Oh, yeah. And yeah. when you take toddlers there and it's 110 degrees and there is very little shade in uh, Magic Kingdom, there are all, barely any trees. The cement is black. Everything's ass expensive. It, no, it, nothing about that is fun. For an, There's not even alcohol in Magic Kingdom, first of all. So, bye. Yeah. Out. Yeah. No, no fun. And if you're one of those people who wears, like, the Mickey Mouse costume or whatever, they say, like, you can't take it off no matter what. Even if you puke inside of there, you have to keep it on. Uh, they have all these rules for their employees. It's supposed to be a really shitty place to to work they as well. They did. And I, also ha- I also heard that they have an underground network of right. tunnels. So the people that work there are not, when they're out of character, are supposed to f- go under the underground tunnels to get from place to play- place so they are not seen out of, I guess, or in character while not performing. Oh, so yeah. Yeah wonder if that's true. Well, Jermaine, to true crime, actually, I've seen videos on YouTube of, like, uh, customers, maybe there were some Karens, but they got into scuffles with staff, people were wearing like, the Mickey Mouse costumes, and the person in this one video I saw, they were wearing the Mickey Mouse, and they just couldn't take any more of this person's shit, so they got into a yeah. fight with him. It was really funny watching Mickey Mouse with a big smile punching somebody. Well, the, yeah. now it's even worse because of the COVID thing. There's a lot of people that refuse to follow Disney rules. And even in not COVID, Disney has some pretty strict rules. So if you're going to go there and not want to follow the rules, dude, just don't go. Don't go. Don't don't be that douche. Don't be that Karen. Don't be that whatever the Karen version is of a male. Just don't. Just stay home. Well, a big part of the experience is, yeah, getting skin cancer while you wait to get a roller coaster, right? <laughs> Yes, correct. Yeah, 45 minutes in the baking Florida sun. It's so aggressively hot. I remember my son, me and my sister's sons, we had him three months apart. So they were very close. We were both still nursing our children. When I tell you we were looking for any solace, any air conditioner, we popped into a cafe and they're like, are you guys going to be eating here? We're like, no, bro, we just really need to take our kids out of the sun because their faces are on fire and they're and they're profusely sweating and they're, you know, babies. And we just need to sit for a moment and breastfeed our kids. <laughs> and it was just, you know, they, they let us thankfully in that cafe, but it's, it, it's not fun. It's not fun. Nothing about that's fun. And yet uh, so many of us feel like if we didn't go as children, our lives are incomplete. You know, they've really sold us on that. At yep. least I felt that way. For, I mean, I don't give a shit anymore. But, but well, as a I think kid, it used to be a lot better. Now it's just, it's kind of gotten a, way too commercialized. Just way too commercialized. Well, yes. Uh, with that as a segue, uh, here's, yes. my, here's my Florida story. This one's pretty funny. There's nothing too disturbing about it. It's a pretty lighthearted story. I hope you didn't steal mine because I'm going to be pissed if you did. I don't know. This one, the headline is Florida man dressed as Fred Flintstone gets pulled over for speeding in his footmobile. Okay, you're good. But that's epic. Okay. 
This guy took uh, cosplay to a whole new level. You look it up sometime. He took. He has a smart car, and he attached like the those pieces of wood on the side. He was wearing the Fred Flintstone costume. It was unbelievable. Uh, Mr. Flintstone was issued a citation for speed and became unruly and had to be detained. I don't know if he said to the cop like rubbish, whenever Remember when Fred swear people? A man in Florida dressed as Fred Flintstone was pulled over for reportedly exceeding the speed limit in his handcrafted footmobile made to look like the famous vehicle from the Flintstones, according to a now viral Facebook post from the local sheriff's office. Right. A sheriff's deputy in Pasco County, Florida. Is that anywhere near you? Pasco. Gosh, I don't know where Pasco is off the top of my head. So, no, it's not super close. It might be middle of the state, although I don't know. I pulled over man named Don Schwartz, Don Swartz, over on November 4th in the Meadow Point Subdivision Housing Development in Wesley Chapel, wrote the Miami Herald. So maybe it's around Miami then. Oh, uh, yeah. So it's central, west central coast. Oh, okay. So, yeah, near Dade. The man had fashioned his smart car to look like a near-identical version of the footmobile that Fred Flintstone operates with his feet in the 1960s cartoon series The Flintstones. The man even went as far as to take the side doors off of his vehicle to make his footmobile look more authentic. That's illegal, right? You can't just remove your doors? I don't believe so. Oh, it's not? Okay, so... I mean, you might be... Well, I've seen some really interesting quote unquote vehicles i don't even know if you can call them that rolling down our streets so it it may be legal i don't believe working a a, something with your feet is legal on the roadways but you might be able to not have car doors that that's probably okay Uh, one of the most terrific things i ever saw is he's some person who was not likely very bright they rode their motor, their motorcycle wearing flip flops, and when they went to stop uh, the pavement, it just you know wore right through the flip flops, and they oh. tore flesh off their feet, and there was just bone left. It was fucking horrifying. Don't ride your motorcycle wearing flip flops. Bad idea. Well, also Florida has a law where you don't have to wear a helmet either. So. Really? Oh yep. well, maybe that's where we get a lot of those crimes from then. Gosh, Florida man. Uh, However, the the car may look authentic, but the incident itself was not, at least not entirely. Swartz did dress up and drive around his footmobile, but the traffic stop was not entirely legitimate. Uh, According to WBTV, who wrote that the traffic stop was staged with no real citation issued or property seized. Hmm. Uh, So the sheriff's office did not indicate why Swartz decided to dress up and drive around his footmobile four days after Halloween. Whether officers knew about Swartz and his vehicle before the incident remains unclear. Um, so, I don't know, I, I admit I didn't read this all the way through. I didn't realize it was actually like a prank or something. Well, okay, so it's four days after Halloween, so maybe he is still keeping the spirit of Halloween alive. No problems with that. Halloween's my favorite holiday. I want to celebrate all month. However, it is after Halloween, so I don't know, maybe he partied a little bit too hard on Halloween, he was still in mode, you know, kept it going. I'm not going to hate too much against that, at least he wasn't face-eating zombies, so, you know. Yeah, well, the, the, the sheriff's office had, a sense, had a sense of humor about it, 
They closed off that Facebook post with a very special thank you to Mr. and Mrs. Don and Trina Swartz for being such great sports. Yeah, they do. Cops, they can be funny. They can have a sense of humor. They're not all going to club you to death. So They're not, and also I'm sure they, they deal with such much worse crime that something like that is, is probably a reprieve to their normal day. Yeah, know? relief. Yeah. yeah, exactly. So what's your first story? Well, so throughout the week, you know, I kind of keep up um, with stories that pop into my news feed here and there, and I, I place them aside just to research them later. This one happens to be out of my hometown. Oh, yeah. Uh, so I'm going to go ahead and, and do it because I'm just going to give a little shout out to, you know, the Fort Myers Police Department on this one uh, and their excellent work. Uh, the It was a child rape victim which was captured captured in Fort Myers, but he was from Washington, Snohomish County, okay? So <clears throat> the arrest by federal marshals of Edmonds, Washington, of rape victim Trevor Zerdot, Zer, wait, hang on, Zerzdot, Z-U-R-S-T-A-D-T, Zerzdot, Zerzdot, we'll go with Zerzdot. In a sailboat off of the west coast of Florida wouldn't have happened without good old-fashioned detective work by Edmonds police. The quick efforts of the Snohomish County prosecutor to secure a warrant and some high-tech track tracking that allowed law enforcement to locate the suspect 32,000 miles away through cell phone call records. Awesome. That is some good old, good old police work. Zerzdat now charged with one count of second degree rape and one count of second degree rape of a child, was taken into custody earlier this week while he was apparently trying to flee the county by boat near Fort Myers, Florida. My hometown. Wow. Yeah, super a of, crazy. A lot of criminals are using like throwaway cell phones now. So if you, if you, want, if you don't want to get caught, you, gotta, you can't just hold on to the same cell phone. Yeah, those burner phones is what they use, and I'm in, I I don't know how they track those nowadays, or if they have, you know, evolved into being able to track those. But that's definitely, I mean, 32,000 miles away to track a cell phone is pretty awesome, in my in my opinion. Well, I mean, uh, I mean, the cops can get access to um, cell phone records uh, from any telephone company. I'm pretty sure now. Exactly. In Canada, I don't know if that's the case in. America. Yeah, it is. And plus, we have a lot of. Uh, there's cameras everywhere, so cameras can track you almost anywhere you go. It's really hard to commit a crime and be smart about it. Well, I know that the. Um, the what do you, what do they call those uh, groups in Mexico that are selling drugs? Like they're the new organized crime. Um, it's it's like I guess it's like the Mexican mafia, but what do they call those? Mm. I remember and, no, don't and, put me on the spot because my brain is fried. <laughs> but anyways, yeah, those guys were using burner phones and they caused the car, not the cartel. Cartel the, it was the cartels, but yeah. a lot of gangsters down there were they would do thing where they would call people up that they knew had money mm -hmm. and they would say, give us you know all your money or this much money and or we'll kill your whole family and. And the police couldn't track them because they threw away the phone afterwards, you know, just like a phone that had like 15 minutes on it. 
Exactly. That's why they have to step up their game, which thank goodness they do. Yeah. So the case first came to attention of Edmonds police in January when Zerdot's former girlfriend reported that he had sexually assaulted her 13-year-old son. Edmonds police detective Stacy Triker, a parent herself, took the case and launched an energetic investigation. I love that. It was energetic because that would be me. Subsequent forensic analysis and, and interviews with the victims and others provided probable cause for arrest in late April. So this is a recent case. Uh, officers attempted to locate Zerdots at his two known addresses, his mother's home in Edmonds and his stepfather's home in Kirkland. Those are both in Washington. <clears throat> um, uh, where'd I go? Uh, his mother's home in, okay. But by the time they had left the area, his trail had grown cold. So they couldn't find him. In early May, detectives obtained a search warrant for the suspect's cell phone records. They began receiving updates on phone usage on May 12th, which revealed that it was being actively used near Pine Island, Florida, approximately 15 miles west of Fort Myers. Very close to me. That's Pine Island is kind of a, it's a little podunk. Well, not, I don't want to say podunk. No offense, Pine Island. It's really cool. It's a fishing community, not too far away. With the suspect's phone now located and active, Snohomish County Deputy Prosecuting Attorney Taryn Jones went to work preparing charges so that an arrest warrant could be issued. Normally, a multi-day process, Jones submitted charging documents the next day, May 13th, noting that the suspect had told others that he planned to sail south to the Caribbean and that there is, quote, no information about a plan for the defendant's return to the country if he leaves and any plan to return or or any plan to return date is unknown. The documents ask that an arrest warrant be issued and bail set at $250,000. Within 24 hours, U.S. Marshals and deputies of the Lee County Florida Sheriff's Office, yay, sorry, it wasn't the police department, it was a sheriff's office, different, different entities, arrested Zerdot, uh, a broad A sailboat in the waters off Big Carlos Pass, very close to me also, the last land before entering the Caribbean from the inland waterways of Western Florida, apparently in the act of fleeing the country. He was taken into custody without incident. Awesome. Good job, Lee County Sheriff's Office. Well, currently being held in Florida, Zerdat is facing extradition to Snohomish County, where he will be faced with a second degree rape and second degree rape of a child. Fleeing, so this is a quote. Fleeing from justice is an apparent attempt to leave the country. The defendant was apprehended thanks to the quick work of my office, specifically Deputy Prosecuting Attorney Taryn Jones and Prosecutor's Office staff to get char charges filed immediately so that an arrest could be made, said the Snohomish County Prosecutor Adam Cornell. Thanks also goes out to our law enforcement partners, both locally and federally, to their diligent efforts to locate the defendant and bring him back to Snohomish County to account for the charges against him. Brava, bravo, good job. We got him. So he is currently incarcerated. Well, it's significant that the sheriff said that uh, they were acting on it. How do they put it quickly that they were? Within 24 hours. Yeah. They had, they were aboard the sailboat and because of his cell phone usage and had him in custody. That's right. So. 
And he was very close to fleeing. He was in, so he was out on our waterways going into the Caribbean. So if he would have gotten out, I, I don't know how the laws work there, but they caught him before he, he got there. So yay, that, that that's a, I'm going to, I was proud of that one. Had to do it. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, it's getting harder and harder for these types of offenders to escape because once word gets out to the community that a child's been abused in that way mm-hmm. or to, uh, like everyone's calling the police, not just the parents, but like the the pressure is enormous. So, I mean, sometimes if it does if it doesn't happen that quickly and sometimes it does take a long time everyone's like they're the police are doing nothing it's yep. not true it's just that they have to observe due process they can't just go door to door and drag everyone out of their homes absolutely so this was just i wanted to do this story because it was a really first of all it's a local for me i wanted to give a shout out and i am going to do a story later that where, where law enforcement did not act really appropriately. So I wanted to do a juxtaposition of, listen, I 100% support law enforcement when they are doing their job and they are most of the time doing an excellent job. And so hurrah for that. But later on, I'm going to do one that's not so great. So be be prepared. (laughs) Well, some cops are like Michael Jackson and some cops are like Latoya Jackson. (laughs) There you go. Some of them just didn't get, uh, they got the short end of the stick talent-wise. Yeah, yeah, yep, yep. Because not everyone gets to be a detective. I know that you have to work your way up to that. So, But also, maybe it's the case that if you work in a small town, maybe it's the the, the C students who get to do that. There's not much happens there except stolen bikes and that sort of thing. Right, and it seems that this actually, this detective had a personal feeling about it because she was a mother herself so she jumped on the case like i said with energetic investigation so she was probably personally you know and affected by this that it was a a 13 year old that had been sexually assaulted and i would take that to heart too and if that gives you more ambition to go after take it for sure or can you just give me a minute please What what in the hell are you doing? My mother is freaking out about something. Oh. <laughs> I, listen, guys, I warned uh, Morgan that my children are upstairs, but they know with the wrath of God that if they come down, they're going to get in huge trouble. So they're they're locked away up there. Hopefully they don't come down. We do have lives. <sighs> okay. We need elevator music when that happens. Yeah, right, or the Jeopardy theme. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Okay, so my next story is the detail. The headline is "Grim Details Emerge from Killing of Homeless Man in Grand Junction." Hmm. Grand Junction is a township in Colorado. So over the weekend, 
Further details emerged in the troubling killing of a 69-year-old homeless man. A 19-year-old local Grand Junction resident is facing charges in the case. According to the arrest affidavit for Bright, for says Brain, but I'm sure it must be Brian, <laughs> Brian Cohey <laughs> II, the 19-year-old had a troubled past, suffered from mental disorders, <clears throat> excuse me, and was interested in death and morbidity. While being interviewed by investigators, Cohey reportedly admitted to killing and decapitating a homeless man. The Mesa, the Mesa County Coroner's Office identified the victim earlier this month as 69-year-old Warren Barnes. During the interview, Cohey reportedly said he killed Barnes with a large kitchen knife. According to arrest papers, Cohey stated that while out on the night of February 27th, he saw Barnes sleeping under a canvas near the Grand Avenue footbridge near Crosby Avenue. Is that a footbridge? Is that just like something over like a small creek? Do you think is it? I would. That's where my head would go. Yeah, like no like car. Small kind of, you know, yeah, over like a creek or something like that. Yeah. Hang on, let me Google it. Like just something made of wood that, yeah. Yep, exactly. That's what I'm pulling up. Arrest papers show Kohi then stabbed Barnes and decapitated him placing some of the remains in a large plastic bag. The arrest affidavit says that Barnes had no apparent connection to Cohey. Cohey reportedly stated to investigators that he had been thinking of killing a person for a while and routinely drove around at night watching homeless camps, tent cities, I guess. He told investigators that he had been planning to kill a homeless person or a prostitute because doing so wouldn't draw much attention. After the killing, Kohi, who was wearing a blue jumpsuit with a mask and gloves, drove some of the remains of Barnes back to his home and stashed the body parts in his bedroom closet. Doing so, he allegedly traveled back to the crime scene and loaded up other remains into the trunk of his car and then went to dispose of those parts in the river at a local boat ramp. Uh, Court papers show while he was unloading the remains of the boat ramp, Kohi's car became stuck and partially submerged in the river. After calls to acquaintances, Kohi's car had to be towed out. Then on March 1st, local authorities received a call from a reporting party that possible human remains had been found in Kohi's closet. Upon arrival, Mezzi County Sheriff deputies confirmed that they were in fact human remains, and while on scene, deputies say that Kohi admitted that he killed a man. Kohi was then brought to the Mesa County Sheriff's Office, where he told his story to investigators. Kohi told investigators that he had been diagnosed with major depressive disorder and Asperger's syndrome. Mm. Investigators say that during the interview that Kohi answered questions clearly and logically. Kohi is facing first-degree murder charges, along with tampering with a deceased human body and tampering with evidence. I was reading that Adam Lanza had uh, Asperger's syndrome. It's not linked to homicidal. No. Um, well, there's all different kinds of forms of Asperger's and, you know, states and severe to mild that I don't believe that that has anything to do. But I mean, obviously, there's some mental illness there that was not <clears throat> addressed as he's 19 and has, you said at the beginning, has been thinking about this for some time. I mean, how long have you been thinking? You're 19. You haven't even had that long to be th- having thoughts. Yeah. So that's, 
a problem. First priority should have been killing acne, not homeless people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But that's such a common thread throughout these the murderers, their crimes, like prostitutes, homeless people, drifters, hitchhikers. It's always these these uh, vulnerable people who have nobody. They always target the weak. Um, I don't mean that in a disrespectful way, but uh, yeah, target. Easy. It's easier because they they don't have any, you know, they don't have uh, a place to be safe. They're out in the elements and probably may or may not be intoxicated, not in the right mind, may have mental illness themselves. So it makes them vulnerable. Sure. Yeah, it's just like how like the number one tool of the of abusive people is isolation. Mm-hmm. If you kill someone, obviously you need to get them alone so there's no witnesses. Right. And a prostitute or a homeless person, they do spend a lot of time alone when they're out in public. So that makes sense, unfortunately. So I'm gonna segue this. I'm gonna segue this story into something that came across to me this week that was really really disturbing. A friend of mine, you know, has a couple of uh, children that she wanted to get into some therapy. Nothing, nothing crazy, nothing big. Just, you know, let's start young. Maybe you're separated. You want your kids to talk to somebody, uh, a therapist. Um, A lot of people who, I mean, these people are working people that have Medicaid for their kids. So she told me there were two offices in, in this town she was in that, accepted Medicaid patients for children specifically for, for psychology. Okay. Take a guess on what the waiting list was for one of these offices. Waiting list in terms of, um, getting, an appointment, getting a first appointment. Like how long you'd have to wait? Um, six months, two years, two years. Oh, wow. Two years. The child wouldn't even be having the same problems in two years. That it blew my mind. Well, you know, I was trying to make a joke without not being funny. I'm like, well, here's why we have Florida man stories, you know, just not enough health care, not enough mental health care. Well, yeah, and even a lot of the health care that exists, it's uh, they're they're just they're so overwhelmed with cases that so overwhelmed. It's also just diagnose them, throw pills at them, and then you know shuffle them off because they just and as as a result, there's a lot of misdiagnosing um, and a lot of people who can't afford to pay for their medications don't take them. Correct. And there's so there's a lot of guns around, and that doesn't help either. So it's really sad. It's just it's yeah. unfortunate. Hopefully it changes. We need to be better for sure. Uh, with mental health in this country, um, youth, adults, everybody. Again, your your brain is an organ; it needs to be taken care of too. So. Well, yeah, for sure. Wow, that's intense. Yeah. Uh, so, nothing else on that. He just kind of had this thought. He decapitated a man and kept parts of his body in his home and then discarded the rest. Oh, he's efficient, if nothing else. Uh, Okay. Well, all right. Ready for mine? Yeah. 
we're going to go to um, North Dakota. This one also came uh, came across my my little news feed. <clears throat> or was this the one? I got one from NPR. I don't remember which one it was. Like, so I'll, I'll find it. I'll, I'll remember. <clears throat> a North Dakota man who killed himself in a courtroom wow. upon being convicted was facing a minimum of seven years in prison, FBI officials have said. First of all, there's so many things here. He was able to kill himself in a courtroom. This just happened. He was only facing seven years. And it happened in front of, in the middle of court. How did, how did he kill himself? Wait for it. Jeffrey Sal Ferris, who slashed his throat Monday inside the federal courthouse in Fargo, had been found guilty of reckless endangerment, terrorizing and use of a firearm in relation to a felony crime of violence in April of 2020 incident at the Turtle Mountain Indian Reservation, FBI officials in Minnesota, or, I'm sorry, in Minneapolis said in the statement. Ferris grabbed an, quote, easily concealable instrument, end quote, to take his own life after being convicted by a jury that had left the courtroom, according to the FBI, FBI officials. Ferris, a formal, so the jury had left. They didn't say what the instrument was, um, Ferris, the, vict the victim or perpetrator, a, formal, a former emergency medical technician was not a member of the Turtle Mountain Band of Chippewa Indians, but is a descendant of the tribal members, Native American online news reported. Ferris, 55, allegedly drove a Jeep towards seven children on the reservation in North Central North Dakota in April 2020, nearly hitting them. A jury, a jury found him not guilty of eight counts of assault with a dangerous weapon, FBI officials confirmed Tuesday, while saying an investigation into the incident was ongoing. Quote, the FBI's reasonability in this investigation is to determine whether there was any violation of federal, federal criminal laws, spokes, spokesman Kevin Smith said in a statement. If violations were found, the U.S. Attorney's Office for the District of North Dakota would handle the matter. A review of security procedures at the Fargo courthouse is also underway. A witness said Ferris, who lived in Belcourt, stated or started fidgeting with his neck while standing up after the jury verdict was read. His attorney asked him, what the hell are you doing? <laughs> the woman who asked not to be identified told WDA News and the guy turned around and you could see the inside of his neck. He had slit his neck with some odd object. There was blood all over the walls in the courtroom and the marshals had wrestled him to the floor. You could hear his scream. You could hear him screaming. I can't breathe. Well, sir, you just slashed your neck with an object. So. Yeah, I might have something to do with it. You might have some breathing issues. Yeah. Uh, prior to the release of the FBI statement, Smith told the forum investigators were trying to determine how Ferris, whose identity was not immediately released by authorities, got the weapon into court. I can't remember the last time an event like this happened where somebody was able to smuggle some contraband into a federal courtroom and die of a self-inflicted wound. Smith told the newspaper, very, very, very odd that this quote, that's a quote, very unusual. We will take our time to get to the bottom of it. Ferris's trial was the only proceeding scheduled uh, for that week 
in Fargo's federal courthouse. North Dakota U.S. Marshal Dallas Carlson told KVRR the man identified in the reports as Ferris produced an edge weapon and cut his throat as U.S. Judge Peter Well Welty and other court officials looked on. Damn. Yeah, they looked on already. Right. Can you still, imagine? Well, imagine what it's like to be a defense attorney. Like you can't rely on your your clients to to behave themselves or to take your advice or to not. He wasn't even going for that. It wasn't even that big of. I mean, he was only looking for like a seven year max. So it wasn't it wasn't a a a, a horrendous crime. He didn't hurt anybody. It was a very, so I'm, there had to have been, maybe he was terrified of going to, to just prison. I, I don't know. I've, I've known people who were terrified about going to prison, no matter how little their sentence had been. So, mm -hmm. but. Well, with good behavior and overcrowding, which is also a big problem these days, you yep. might have got off with the, uh, Three years, maybe after an appeal, maybe they could have even reduced it some more. Man, I mean, just to take, I mean, what what did he get in there? How did no one catch it? And that would be a gruesome, horrific thing to witness in the middle of a courtroom. So I'm glad I wasn't there. I'm glad the jury wasn't there. Um, Ram <laughs> darn. All right. So I've got, I've got another Florida story for you. We all, I, I ran across a lot of Florida stories too, funny, because I think we talk about it so much and maybe our phones are listening to us. So they keep uh, coming up on my feed and all of my new stuff. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, so we're both of the generation that remembers when the big pant craze first came on the scene. I think that was like early 90s. What was the craze? The, the, the huge pants craze. It was. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. The Jankos. Yeah, mostly with hip-hop crowd, but it wasn't just hip-hop. It was like, well, I guess everybody had their own iteration of it, right? But mm -hmm. gigantic pants, and it was really, and eventually the subcultures kind of dropped it. But it, it seems like everyone's out, seems like it's finally gone out of style. The skinny Well, now we're doing skinny jeans, jeans which is no yeah. better. Yeah, so, uh, but here's a story about a man who, uh, carried on, who has carried on with the huge pants. So, okay. Florida man fleeing cops is brought down by his own pants. Previous records claim he was 250 pounds, but on Tuesday he was reported to be just 160, so maybe he just hadn't found time to shop yet. A Florida man's wild attempt to escape police was brought to an end when his own pants betrayed him and fell, tripping him. Tobias Smith was driving an unregistered car on Tuesday in Daytona Beach when the debacle began. When a marked police cruiser attempted to pull him over for the registration error, he fled. He fled, leading the cruiser to call for backup. After refusing to stop, Smith proceeded to run a red light, after which he rammed into another car, causing $10,000 in damages and terrifying the passenger inside. This could have been you with your sons in the car, soccer moms like you. Oh, I would have gotten out of my car and thrown a fit, but that's just me. Page. Uh, despite the fender bender, Smith kept going in his car, hitting a light post, and eventually crashing into the front of a barber shop. The shop had several customers inside and sustained $3,000 in damage. This is a movie. I'm telling you, this scene, this is like a, a comedy film or something. Uh, police say that no one inside the barber shop were injured. 
His vehicle out of commission, Smith then jumped out of his car and attempted to continue fleeing the police on foot. He didn't get very far, however, as while he was running, his pants began to slip. As they fell down around his knees, they caused him to stumble and fall. Officers were then able to detain him. Upon being arrested, Smith was charged with fleeing and eluding, leaving the scene of a crash, and driving with a suspended license. He was also ticketed for driving without a license and leaving the scene of an accident with property damage over $50. This and is not wearing a belt. Yeah, right. This isn't Smith's first run-in with the law, obviously. He's appeared at the Volusia County Jail seven times and spent more than four months in federal prison, according to the Miami Herald. The Herald also reported that Smith was out on bond after being arrested in March on battery and false imprisonment charges. This is also his second hit and run. In January... Uh, how old was he? Uh, let me see if his age was there. It mentioned his weight. I don't think it says mentions his age. Hmm. Um, but if they mentioned his name, obviously he's, not, he's an adult. So yep. do they have laws against uh, mentioning the names of minor f- offenders there? Even Canada, if not, I don't know about America. They do, however, I believe it depends on the charge because I have read stories from Florida where, in fact, I think I have one tonight. I, I want to say because I wasn't even gonna, I'm not gonna list the kids' names just because they are one of them's underage, and I don't feel comfortable with that. But I believe it depends on the crime. So if like a 15-year-old shot 10 people, they would. Probably- yeah, I, I I believe that. It would be, yeah, it wouldn't be, um, uh, what do you call it? Kidding. Charged, yeah, charged as an adult anyway. So. Yep, 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 yep. So, yeah, as a second hit and run, he was accused of intentionally ramming his ex-girlfriend's car with a stolen car. So this guy's a distance. So he's driving somebody else's car, not even his own car. Uh, while he has quite the police record under his belt, it seems that a belt is the one thing he could have used on Tuesday. Maybe he should have listened to this guy. So this, <laughs> this is just evidence that, you know what, if you're going to be a criminal, you have to be someone who can deal with pressure. You can deal with risk. This guy is just, this guy is just fearless, I guess. Doesn't okay, he- here's Rachel's segment in if you're going to be a criminal, but also don't be a criminal. Okay, so we've gone over, obviously, don't Google stuff that you're going to do. Don't go to Walmart and purchase a bunch of uh, murder material and have a receipt for it. Here's another one. Ready? Wear tight-fitting clothing so you can move quickly away from the scene. Oh, yes. That's a good one. There you go. Add that to your list. But don't also be a criminal. So don't add that to your list. Yeah, because I was reading about the Casey Anthony case, and uh, they found all these records on your search engine, like how to dispose of a body and how to make um, homemade. Uh, what's the stuff that knocks you out? Oh, was it? Oh, um, yeah. No, you, well, you put it in a ether. Yeah. Ether. Know. Yeah. That was on her. That was in her uh, Google history as well. Everything. Everything that was used to, to murder Kaylee happened to come up in her search records. Yeah. That story infuriates me. What part of Florida was that? Uh, I believe Orlando. Orlando, okay. And then remember Zanny the nanny? 
Yeah. Which was what we all believe not proven because she was proven innocent in a court of law. But in my opinion, probably Xanax. Don't know. Maybe. Don't know. Well, that's going to sue me. No one sue me. That's just an opinion. I don't know that for sure. Well, her conscience knows the truth. Yeah, well. Not that she cares, but yeah. She doesn't. Yeah. All right. So my next story is the one that is juxtaposing my good police story. Okay. Because this one's really sad. uh, Where the police officers just, I, I, in my opinion, didn't do the right thing. So this was a a 73-year-old woman with dementia who was arrested, um, and she faces charges. I believe this was police abuse. So let me read the story. We'll discuss, okay? Yeah. Multiple charges have been filed against two former colleagues. So they were charged, which, okay, there we go. Multiple charges have been filed against two former Colorado police officers for their roles in the arrest of 73-year-old woman with dementia last year. The charges were filed on Wednesday against former Loveland Police Department officers Austin Hopp and Daria Jalali, who arrested and booked Karen Gardner as she was walking home from a local Walmart after failing to pay for about $14 worth of merchandise. Uh, Quote, I was able to review dozens of witnesses, interviews, scores of records, phone calls, reports, and photographs, hours of audio and video, and a host of additional evidence, which led me to the decision I'm making here today. End quote, says Gordon McLaughlin, District Attorney for the 8th Judicial District of Colorado. Hop, who handcuffed Gardner and allegedly dislocated her shoulder in the process, is charged with two felonies, assault in the second degree causing a serious bodily injury uh, to an at-risk victim and attempting to influence a public service or servant and a misdemeanor charge for uh, official misconduct. Jalali, who is the other officer, faces three misdemeanor charges, including failure to report excessive use of force, failure to intervene in the use of excessive force, and official misconduct. Both officers resigned last month. Um, I want to send you a picture of this woman's arm because it is really bad. Her entire arm from from mid arm to forearm is when I say brute, it is it is black, purple, swollen. It's bad. It looked bad. How old did she? Did you say she was? She was she's 73. 73. Yeah. Correct. With dementia. Um, let me see. I th- I saved it for you. Can I can I send you a picture of this via Zoom? Hang on. Copy image. I'm gonna try it. Well, I mean, that Yeah. There we go. That that's her. That's a picture of her arm. Yeah, um, oh, I can see. Oh, yeah, that is bad. Holy shit. Yeah. So uh, a federal civil rights lawsuit filed by Garner's family last month said Garner's uh, wandered out of Loveland Walmart on June 26, 2020, 
Hey, yo, that's my birthday. Carrying a Pepsi, a candy bar, a t-shirt, and some shout wipe refills. I the lawyers say that the woman had forgotten to pay for the items and that she offered to pay the $13.88 bill employees had refused to let her. Instead, surveillance camera footage shows that an employee tried to keep her at the store while they waited for law enforcement. According to Hop's incident report, Garner gave Walmart employees the slip as they tried to walk her to the store's loss prevention office. Body camera footage of the police altercation shows Hop pulling onto the side of the road as Garner is walking home along an empty grass-covered field. Hop approaches Garner, identifying himself as a police officer and calling for her to stop. Okay. Mm. He says to her, I don't think you want to play it this way. He says, you just left Walmart. Do you need to be arrested right now? Okay, first of all, I don't find that appropriate police wording, but okay. Uh, Garner, whose lawyers uh, says, Garner, who whose lawyers says, say stands, okay, so she stands five foot and weighs 80 pounds. She appears confused by the officer's commands, says she is going home before turning away from the officer. She's holding a cell phone, a small bouquet of wildflowers flowers picked from the side of the road in her left hand. As her back is turned to him, Hop reaches for her left hand, pulls it behind her back, pins her to the ground. Garner looks terrified, repeatedly stating, I'm going home, I'm going home. She tries to push herself up, but Hop forces her down and cuffs her left hand. Now, the deputy Hop is out of breath, calls the incident in, quote, after a short struggle, she is now detained, he says. Garner is later seen standing with her chest against Hop's squad car as Hop continues to hold her left arm behind her back. Jalali, who's the other officer, who had only just arrived, according to the incident report, walks over and also takes hold of Garner's arm. Wait, Jalali shouts as she raises Garner's elbow. In one version of the video with enhanced audio created by Garner's attorneys, a loud cracking can be heard as Hop and Jalali appear to push Garner's elbow upward. Garner's lawyer, Sarah uh, Shelke, says that this is the sound of her shoulder being dislocated. Uh, Garner's body begins to slide down the hood and Hop accuses her of refusing to hold her own weight. He then puts her back on the ground. Uh, the two offers, officers eventually transport Garner to the station where she is booked. According to court documents, she remained handcuffed to a bench in a cell for six hours before receiving any medical attention, despite numerous complaints by Garner that both of her shoulders and her wrist were in pain. And you saw that picture. Yeah, yeah. Um, in the end, the district attorney's office dropped all charges against Garner. Hmm, weird. Shelke's lawsuit states that in addition to dementia, Gar Garner also suffers from sensory aphasia, which makes it difficult to communicate and understand others. Yeah, I knew a man who had that that uh, problem he had to spend basically a year in a rehabilitative hospital learning how to speak again because he had a stroke so oh. 
It's like you and I, we don't have to think about talking, but when you have that, you basically, everything's is just deliberate. You're really like forcing it. So, right. Yeah. I mean, I do have to think about talking, obviously, because sometimes I can't read. Sorry, guys, I'm getting better, but yeah. Be autopilot, you know what I mean? Yeah. yeah, but can you imagine? Can you imagine this poor woman? It's just heartbreaking. So her attorney said, uh, this is just the start, but it's not enough. She said in response to the charges, these officers did not do this in a vacuum. Multiple individuals at the Loveland, at the Loveland Police Department watched that Hop, what Hop and Jelani, or Jalali did. Shelkey has noted that the department failed to take any action against the officer until media reports publicized the violent arrest, of course. This inaction was despite the fact that several other officers as well as supervisors were aware of what happened. Only after reports did officials seek to launch an investigation into the incident resulting in Wednesday's charges which I seem to find happening all of the freaking time right now. Yeah. You know, they don't investigate until, oh, shit, somebody saw us. We're on video. Yeah, now like, we have to look into it. It's like the guy who's uh, sorry that he, he's, that he cheated on his girlfriend after getting caught with another mm -hmm. woman. Absolutely. But no apology before that. Well, you know, the whole thing, um, they – some studies were done on um, people who have antisocial personality disorder, which used to be, those people used to be called sociopaths or psychopaths. Mm -hmm. So there's different professions they tend to work in, um, corporate, the corporate world. Um, and uh, what was the other one? Uh, well, in the armed forces, sales, because they have, they can't, they don't fear anybody and they can't be, feel bad about ripping people off. If right. Those kinds of sales. And uh, law enforcement, unfortunately, is one that attracts those kinds of people who can. And obviously, we're, we've seen lots of examples of it, of people being beaten up. Well, and like I said, I'm not against law enforcement whatsoever. I completely support law enforcement. There's a lot, a lot of good police officers and law enforcement and detectives out there. I appreciate you. But th some things need to change. And and to wrap this up, um, Shelkey, the uh attorney said all of those individuals did nothing about it this is not a hop and jalali being rogue criminals problem that's a city of loveland creating them problem uh during a press conference on wednesday afternoon loveland police chief robert tyser suggested there is not a widespread culture of abuse within the department he said he fully supports the charges against the two officers Quoting, their actions and attitudes are in direct contrast to the culture we strive to achieve here at the Loveland Police Department. Uh, Tyser further added that once the department became aware of the severity of Garter's injuries on April 14th, officials acted swiftly. They inducted enforcing a mandatory Alzheimer's training for all officers. So there you go. Some good came out of that. Well, that's what they say that the the defund the police thing is all about is to get better training, but they haven't been able to get support for it because most people think that what they mean is not not giving the police a budget to work with. No, we just need them. So so what the problem is, is we going back to what I said earlier about my friend whose children can't even get mental health. Police officers are having to be respond to people who are mentally ill. They don't have the training for that. Yeah, yeah. That, well, no, that's not their job. Their job is that you can't possibly 
walk up to somebody and know if they have a mental issue right away. I don't put that on them. And that's, you know, that's a psychiatrist, a psychologist job. So it's a, it's an impossible situation to be in. Yeah. Um, it's well, sad. They say prisons are the new mental institutions in America. Yep. Yep. Uh, yeah, like everyone who's been in prison will tell you there's people in there who are truly mentally ill, who are just yep. crazy. People who make uh, little sculptures out of their feces and stuff like that. You probably have a screw or two loose if, if you do that with your spare time. And yeah, right. In the penal, the penal world. Um so, yeah, they do need to learn how to, to deal with people who are mentally ill. Um, Unfortunately. As far as that lady goes, she must have had, like, osteoporosis uh, for her arm to break like that. Not that, um, you know, it wouldn't have been injured otherwise. Well, I don't know what the – what I don't know if it was excessive force. It really doesn't go into that. I don't – you know. Well, it can't be that hard to restrain a 70-year-old woman. Well, correct. Yeah. Right. Or, I mean, but also, I mean, if you push somebody's arm in the wrong way, I mean, Jesus, I slept wrong last night and I can't move my flipping back. So yeah. <laughs> it just depends on, you know, and she's 73 and she might have some osteoporosis or some weak bones or, or anything. But uh, yeah, I wanted, I wanted to do that one. Yeah. She, she obviously is, is also in need of mental health care because, um, Dementia can be dangerous, not in that, not in that scenario. But uh, people have been murdered in nursing homes because a lot of people with dementia. They just, I, I think it gets to a point where it's like schizophrenia, where they start to believe that someone's out to get them, or mm-hmm. some other kind of pathology that leads to them to commit murder or commit assault. So our society doesn't really take great care of seniors either, unfortunately. We don't. I, I want to do a really quick um, side note. I, I literally just had to pause, or I'm sorry, mute you because my 17-year-old cat goes into her litter box, and it, it sounds like she picks up litter and physically throws it against the side of the box so loudly. <laughs> I don't know how a cat can take litter and make it that loud. So I apologize. I hear it again. So it's, it's almost like she's taking a backhoe to the whole thing. Huh? It, no, it, it, it's 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 extraordinary, and I'm sorry for non-cat. She, she is 17, so she's really cute and snuggly and hairless. But she, it's it, it's like as if she's taking a fistful and just whipping it everywhere. Do you a hairless cat? Is it like Doctor Evil's cat? Yes. Wow, interesting. I've never seen one in real life. Well, they're very sweet. But is it was she born that way, or is that a disease, or? No, God damn it, Morgan. It's not a disease. <laughs> they are a breed. It's oh. a recessive gene that every cat has that can be hairless, and I believe it started in 1963. Guess where? Canada. Canada. Is where the breed originated. Oh, okay. And then they bred out the recessive gene of um, hairlessness, and they have sphinx. Now you have sphinx. Well, there is a there is a human disease called alopecia where you have no hair yeah. at all. And there's actually a Canadian uh, film and theater director has that, and uh, he says the advantage is that you're you're a blank slate, so you can look any way you want. So there you go. Use makeup, you can do anything. 
Well, she's wrinkly and old and <laughs> I, I likes to fling litter everywhere, so. Cute. All right. Uh, this is my last story. I, I thought I had 10 stories, but we're coming up to an hour anyway, so kind of works out. So this is a more uh, comic relief, uh, this time in Tennessee. A Tennessee man lights up joint while in court for marijuana possession. So the stunt backfired when the young defendant was sentenced to 10 days in jail for contempt of court. A courtroom in the town of Lebanon, Tennessee, lit up with laughter after a defendant tried to smoke a marijuana cigarette while he was charged with marijuana possession. 20-year-old Spencer Boston appeared before Judge Haywood Berry on Monday at the Wilson County General Sessions Building for a simple possession charge, but could now also be penalized for his behavior during this hearing. According to courtroom footage, the first minute and a half that the judge addressed Boston was nothing out of the ordinary. Decked out in a camo jacket, is that, is that camouflage? Yes. Yep. A bright tie-dye shirt and light brown pants, Boston appeared cooperative and nodded in response to the judge when necessary with both arms folded in front of him. However, the scene quickly began to change when the defendant removed a rolled cigarette from his pocket. Audio of Boston's court appearance is unavailable, but according to local news outlet WSMV, Boston made his case for the legalization of marijuana in front of the judge while lighting a joint. The scene in the video turned rowdy as security personnel suddenly realized what was happening. One of the guards grabbed Boston's left arm as the young man was waving his joint about, presumably shouting his arguments for marijuana legalization at the crowded courtroom, which appeared to be in a mixed state of shock and amusement. Yes! Before Boston could be ushered out of the court, he turned to the gallery and yelled, The people deserve better. According to Wilson County Sheriff's Department, Lieutenant Scott Moore, some of the folks who witnessed Boston's fiery antics laughed out loud. But Moore is among the few who didn't find the courthouse stunt particularly amusing. When you go into a courtroom, it demands respect, and it was not given yesterday. This is the first time in law enforcement I've seen something like this. Even some others who saw the humor in Boston's antics took issue with his behavior. Even though everyone in this town's laughing, because it is funny and we are very impressed that he got that joint in the courthouse, but I think his parents are really disappointed, said resident Jessica Davis. Another resident named Dwayne, no last name, just Dwayne, argued that he understood Boston's pro-legalization sentiments, but he didn't agree with the smoker's approach. I think he was trying to prove a point, but it went across the wrong way. Maybe if it did, maybe if it did it outside the police station, it probably wouldn't have been as bad. Maybe it would have been worse. So he was, let me see, after he served 10 days in jail for contempt of court, and he'll be eligible to post a $3,000 bond. Uh, he could be facing an additional possession charge and disorderly conduct charge. Um, maybe this guy needs to move to another state. Okay, okay. Is, I'm going to go ahead and slow clap the boldness of that, but also I'm going to say, yeah, you can't disrespect the court. No, no. Is it Florida? So, but, you know, hey, at least he didn't pull out, uh, uh, I don't even know what, and slice his neck in front of 
the courtroom. So, yeah, hey, that was a little better. At least that's all they had to deal with was a joint and not a mur- like, and not a suicide. Maybe if that had happened, like, right before, it wouldn't have gotten over so badly. You wouldn't have cut it. There yeah. you go. See? The guy who cut his throat should have had a joint. Probably wouldn't happen. There you go. Exactly. Is and how, we're solving the world's problems. How's Florida with the marijuana laws? Uh, we are allowed to have it um, medically if we have a card. Oh, I see. But that makes it more expensive. So. Do you have any medical conditions that could be? I have all of the medical conditions. Yeah, you have like a pain condition? Something like uh, no, not necessarily pain. It's more um, like like my anxiety. I have ADD, you know, uh, all those kind of fun things. I do have a back pain, which I I, I, I do yoga for, so it's not that bad. Exactly. Um, but no, I mean, I think we all have some kind. We all have something that. Yeah the green can help with you know true uh you know do one more story and i think we'll we'll call it a day okay so i'm gonna save the rest of my stories because i like went like i went ham this week so i'm gonna end on my fun florida story then okay so if everyone listens to the story i think we remember morgan's story last year where or last year. Okay, let's not get ahead of ourselves. Long week. <laughs> last week, it was a long week, where we had a gator being thrown into the Wendy's um, drive through yeah. So this is also a local story for me. Uh, Lehigh Acres, which is in Lee County, so it is in my county, not in my city. So Lehigh Acres is a city that is in my county. Um, a seven-foot alligator... So, I love this. A seven-foot alligator was captured while wandering around the parking lot of Lehigh Acres Health and Rehab on Lee Boulevard Monday. The Florida Fish and Wildlife Conservation Commission, that's the FWC, that's the ones I tell you go take gators and rehome them and take them away from people who where they shouldn't be. And the Lehigh Acres Fire Department responded to the scene after reports of the gator chasing people in the nearby bank parking lot, according to the FWC. Mm-hmm. Deputies with the Lee County Sheriff's Office claimed the alligator also chased people, wait for it, through a nearby Wendy's parking lot. <laughs> what is it with Wendy's and alligator? <laughs> I told you. Remember I said, I go, Oh, what if he develops a taste for Wendy's? And then this story came across my feed and I died. I was like, you've got to be kidding me. Of all of the restaurants, it was a Wendy's parking lot. Did it say whether they zigzagged? Because that's how they say you. No, I didn't say. But yes, I know. We we all know how to run away from gators. Uh, wildlife, Wildlife officials said they believe the gator was just trying to go from one body of water to another in its journey across Lee Boulevard. No injuries were reported. A trapper is locating, relocating the gator to a farm in LaBelle. Wildlife uh, officials administrator a statewide nuisance alligator program, which is called SNAP, to be, a proactive, to be proactive with complaints concerning specific alligators believed to pose a threat to people, pets, or property. Um, and just FYI, for anybody living in Florida, if you have concerns about an alligator, you should call FWC. Please don't try to capture or kill it yourself. It's 866-FWC-GATOR. Super easy to remember, guys. And then they'll send somebody out to help you trap and 
relocate said gator, but I found that really funny. Have you ever known someone who like kept a baby alligator and tried to keep it as a pet? Yes. How did that work out? Uh, not well. So, they let it go. Why did it try to attack them at some point? It just gets too big. They get huge. You can't keep them in a cage. You know, they're, they're going to grow. Yeah. Um, just like that's why we have a problem with, uh, we have black night and gnolls that are, and the iguanas that are not native to us now. They're everywhere and they get humongous. They get huge. Oh, I and, didn't iguanas there. Yeah. Uh, okay, so fun fact. Last year we were going through COVID and it got a little cold here. It got down in the 30s or 40s. And that's quite cold for where I live. And they had to, the news had to put out a warning that iguanas could be falling out of trees, but they're not dead. They're just cold. Hibernating. No, they literally get so cold that they just like seize up and fall out of trees. Oh, I see. Until they warm back up again. Cause they're, they're like reptile. They're reptiles. They're like snakes. Flooded, yeah. Which is really funny. Damn. Yeah. You had poisonous snakes down there? Yes. We have rattlesnakes. We have uh, water moccasins. We have uh, probably a lot more that I can't think. Rattlesnakes and water moccasins are what we we fight. I see most around where I live. Oh, have you seen a wild panther? I have. Yep. Well, that must yep. be. It, do they or do they shy away from people? They do, and unfortunately, their habitat is really being um, intrinsicated. Upon. They they don't have a lot of space to go because we're building so quickly. So they they run out of and bears too. There's a lot of bears that come up into people's neighborhoods because we're we're building on these yeah places that they live and they're running out of space to go, which is sad. Well, yeah, we, we, we deal with it all. Well, the baby boomers, that's like one of the biggest generations, and they love Florida. Mm-hmm. So continuing to build more and more housing for them. Yep. Yeah, we have bobcats. We have, in my old neighborhood, we had bobcats. We had uh, um, raccoons, of course, are everywhere. Yeah, we got there, yeah. We had a gator in our pond. We had, oh, coyotes. We had a little thing of coyotes. Well, they would howl every time a siren went by. Hmm. Mm-hmm. Yep, good times here in Florida. Don't come. <laughs> stay, stay where you are. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you very much, Rachel, for another edition of the True Crime News. My pleasure. I've had a great time. Yeah, next time we'll make sure to get tennis. I thought it's weird. I don't know. My head's been all over the place this week. Funny, don't worry. Mercury, I think, is in retrograde. Sorry for you guys who don't believe in that kind of nonsense, but it's been a week. That must it's have been-, been a week. Yeah, I, you know, I've been kind of scatterbrained, so that might be it. Same. Completely scatterbrained. And then my, son, my oldest son turns 10 on Wednesday. Happy birthday to that little dude. Oh, yeah. It's nice. What are you doing for his uh, well, we just did it. We, we I took him to Dave and Buster's. Spent an astronomical amount of money because it's super expensive. But is that like a theme restaurant or something? Um, yeah, it's like a it's like a 
Chuck E. Cheese, but for adults. Oh, okay. So it's a huge video game place. They have everything, but they also have a bar and food, so that makes it a little better. My life needs balance. <laughs> yeah. I'm like a Disney world where they, I guess they look at you like you're a serial killer if you ask for a beer, right? Yeah. I mean, hey, <laughs> I tell, I'll say it anyway. Yeah, exactly. All right, so I'll have yourself a good night. And you too, Morgan. It's been great having this. I love this. I had a good time tonight. I can't wait for next week. Get your craft together. Get Mercury out of retrograde, and we'll do it again. All right, take care. <laughs> Bye, guys. Talk to you later. Bye.